Hey guys, it's Mia Baker here and welcome to another episode of Unsussed. I'm actually so excited about filming today's episode because it's with one of the most interesting and knowledgeable people I have literally ever met. He's the co-founder of Hashtag United for any of you esport football fans out there. He's a golf YouTuber, content creator, worked with some of the world's best brands out there, serial entrepreneur and just an inspirational human being. I can't wait to share Seb's story with you, how he started as a salesman to become a social media wizard with more side hustles than I can actually count on one hand. And on that note, let's get started. Seb, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. Mia, thank you, because I don't know when this is going out, but where we are right now, where you've invited me to this week is unbelievable i don't know whether you've been talking about this in the podcast before this or not but yeah thank you very much for having me out here and for having you on the pod as well me on the pod as well of course yeah so we're actually sat at somewhere called the condor club it's in france about two and a half hours or so from paris and it's actually a private golfing estate pretty much isn't it i mean i don't know how else to explain it i don't even know how to explain this place we've got the 17th century french chateau with its own golf course and the only way you can get access to the golf course is to stay in the chateau. And it's got to be the whole chateau. You can't stay in a room. And we've got the whole place to ourselves. I mean, not just you and I. You Obviously, George is here. Yeah. And uh, loads of other content creators and some of their partners and film crew and, and the staff here. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, so the idea was is basically to kind of get a load of content creators to come out to France here, film loads of content on the course because... One of its unique selling points is the fact it has an 18-hole golf course just for whoever's staying here. So there's nobody else out there. One of the things they told us when we arrived was, you will never have to shout four. <laughs> Although someone did shout four the I mean, other day. You know, I hit some, I've hit some errant shots the last few <laughs> days. There was, there was still a need to shout four. Um, but you are right. This, um, this is, you know, getting, doing what we do, get to play some amazing courses, make some amazing people. But this is very different. And it's not just the golf course. Because, you know, I'm sure there are places that have their own few holes. Yeah. This is like a, a, an incredible golf course. Like they've got that replica of 17th of Sawgrass, Island Green. It's immaculate. The water, it's like high, high, high quality golf. The bunkers are some of the best bunkers I've ever played out of. Like the sand's like crystal. <laughs> You're it's, obsessed it's, with the sand. Honestly, I've never known honestly, anyone honestly, loves the sand. sand. No, the sand in these bunkers is unbelievable. Um, they've just built four additional holes. It's now an entire 18-hole golf course. And it looks great now, but I'm telling you, in a couple of years, when they've, some of the trees they've planted grow up further, this is a course worthy of hosting any event. I mean, it's special. You know, they say millionaire's golf when you get the course to yourself. This place mm. is like billionaire's golf, right? Because, yeah, it's a pretty penny to, to stay yeah. here. And I mean, I don't know lucky. anywhere like it. I don't know. I've never heard of anywhere like it. Yeah. No. No, um, maybe like... there is, but I've never heard of it. Yeah, I mean... How did we even get here is a good question. I sometimes ask that myself because I say that about golf in general. I'm like, how did I even get here? Which is a good question for you, actually. Okay. Because obviously you're very heavily in golf now, but that is not how you started. No. You started as a salesman. I did start as a salesman, yeah. After, after university, I went to a, be like a sales, they called it a terrible name. It was an SDE, a sales development executive. Ooh. It was like a junior salesman. Um, so my job, I used to walk around industrial estates in uh, the Midlands where I first started doing it. Are you from the Midlands? No, that's where I was at university. So I just oh, finished. So I was like uni? Uh, Northampton University. Okay. So I basically was there and a friend of mine had finished and worked for the company, said there was like a few jobs going. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, I can, I've, all, I've never really known what I was going to do. Like my father 
Um, always had his own businesses in sort of engineering. And I always knew that I wanted to at some point work for myself. So I sort of liked sales in a way because you are your success and your earnings are very determined to your performance. You know, you could be in a team in an office and you will get a salary no matter how much work you do compared to the person next to you. I always quite like the idea that sales, if you were good, you get rewarded mm-hmm. for that. Um, and you can just chat and sort of, you know, try and make deals. I sort of didn't know it at the time, deals. but I've come to like those sorts of things. <laughs> so yeah, I did that. I, and I used to literally walk around an industrial park in um, the Midlands. I'd knock on the door. Most of the times people would just tell me to go away. And, some, and I, if I spoke to somebody, I'd say, can I speak to the person who handles your post? Like, terrible. And I was basically trying to find people to send loads of posts so I could sell them a Frankie machine, which is like basically a machine where if you send thousands of letters, you put a little red bit of ink on the envelope instead of a stamp and you get it a bit cheaper. So companies that send like 10,000 letters a day, it saves them a fortune, it's way quicker to process, blah, blah, blah. So that was what I did. And I slowly but surely worked my way up. I got the, the real sales executive role, got the company car, then got the London patch, worked my way up to have the top city patch and ended up being sort of one of the top guys in the company in the country, doing really well from it. And um, That's wild that that is a job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every, everything like... needs selling, right? That's the thing. <laughs> Salespeople sometimes get a rough ride because it's seen as, you know, people, you're pestering people, effectively. Yeah. Like, you're trying to get people to buy stuff and they don't want it. You're not sitting in a shop waiting for them to come to you. You've got to go out and drive mm. the interest. So you've how... got to have quite thick skin because you get a lot of rejection. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you have, like, you have no shame, like to go up and do that. There's so many people out there who would never even date. They no. didn't even like speaking to people. I'm telling you, it's terrible. I, I have memories. I have my little laptop bag walking through Corby Industrial Estate and I've just knocked on a door and someone said, oh, will you piss off or something? And I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. Bear in mind, I'm like 21, 22 at the time. And I just go and sit in my car like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this oh, anymore. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, awful, horrible. Oh, no wow. one likes doing that job, but yeah. you, you, have to, you have to develop a thick skin. And I think that has maybe helped me when I did eventually get into content because um, you have to walk down the road vlogging to yourself and people looking at you, what's he got, what a bird, what's he got his camera up for, what are this, that, the other. And then also some of the, as we talked about a little earlier, <laughs> some, some of the grief you get um, from people on social media. Ultimately, if you do anything that, where a lot of people see it, you're going to get a reasonable amount of hate or mm-hmm. abuse because, I mean, some of the most successful, brilliant people in the world have such large reaches to people, people like Elon Musk, whoever. There's millions of people that probably mm-hmm. think they hate him. They never met him, but then there's hundreds of millions that think he's incredible. Um, and obviously, on a smaller scale, social influencers or whatever, they might have thousands of people follow them, and therefore a few dozen or a few hundred are going to think they're just going to not like them. Yeah, so because it's just, you do all your growth, you do all your progression, everything, all your learnings in front of everybody, in front of yeah. lots of eyes, and that's the difference. Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, so I did the sales salesman job, and then basically I got to a position where I, I was quite comfortable. I could write my target in like a few hours every day. And then I'd basically start playing golf. Because mm-hmm. uh, after uni, I didn't play golf growing up. I Were you a late starter? Yeah, late starter. Nice. So one summer, my dad took me, gave me like a mini membership at like the club for like a few months. So I went and played and like got some little junior clubs and did that. And then I sort of stopped. So that was when I was like 13, 14. Then I stopped it completely and I was always obsessed with football. And then at university, I happened to rent a flat uh, after uni when I started a near post next to a golf course Delapre golf course in Northampton and the guys that I lived with were golfers so I was like I'll go and play we used to just jump on 
Uh, sorry, Dead of Prey, we just snuck on, didn't, been, did a little four-hole loop, just snuck on at dusk and played a few holes and we were poor students. I was just yeah. tr- trying to sell Frankie machines. I need to save my <laughs> green fee money. Um, I've been back and played plenty of green fees there, I promise. Um, so there you go. Shout out to Dead of Prey Golf Club. And um, basically uh, got introduced to golf and then immediately became completely head over heels obsessed. Um, similar where I've always loved football, but in golf, so again, reliant on yourself and the fact that you can just play against yourself against the course and it's very individual and maybe weirdly in a what in a world we have to be so connected to people i weirdly am a bit of a lone wolf like Mm. most of my career so in sales you're very lonely so you're in a little room making calls making appointments you're then traveling around on your own doing sales um and then from from that a playing golf someone told me about this uh, new legislation coming in solar panels, there was going to be all of a sudden there was been big demand on the continent for solar panels. There was a government law change in the UK which was going to create this big demand. And I had a friend who had whose father-in-law had been doing it in Spain, and he uh, was kind of come and do it in the UK. And he wanted to start a company, and we were going to do it together. And I was like, "Oh, it's so exciting! We're going to start our own business." We were like brainstormed on our name. Well, how should our website be? All this, that, the other. And then sadly, he had some family issues and he changed his mind and decided to leave the country and do all this. And I was just left really. So, um, had a little stand, got a little stand at the ideal home show. Um, I was still working for Neopost at this time and stood at the ideal home show in Ells court, collecting names and addresses of anyone that would talk to me. I was telling them there's going to be this big thing. People are going to, people are going to pay you money. If you put solar panels on your house, you're going to get loads of money and save money and save the planet. Who wants to know? And I just collected this like list of hundreds and hundreds of names and basically, I just drove and saw them all. I just finished the Ideal Home Show, called them all, booked appointments because they were interested. Hi, it's Seb. Met you at the show. Want to come and tell you about the feed-in tariff. 43 pence for every kilowatt hour you generate on your roof. If you've got a south-facing roof, let me come and tell you about it. And if they would agree to see me, I'd go anywhere. I had a little Audi A3 and I'd fly up the country, down the country. Again, sorry, Neopost, but at the time, <laughs> I had a company fuel card and I'd use Neopost fuel card to pay for the petrol or the diesel, I think it was, to drive my A3 all over the country. But the thing is, I was still right in my target for Neopost. I was still the number one salesman in the country. I was winning the awards. They'd fly me to these special pace setters awards in Morocco for being the number one guy. Little did they know, I was doing it in about two hours in the morning. And then instead of playing golf in the afternoon, I was off selling solar panels. So I still did my job. I still wrote my target. I didn't, you know... You are unreal. You are literally the definition of a hustler. Back then, it was serious hustle. It was. So the best bit is this, was that... um, I was doing the systems and it was honestly, it was so popular. It was such a good deal. If people had the right roof and they were of age where they planned to stay in their house for a long time, they would put £20,000 worth of solar panels on the roof and they'd get like two grand a year, but they get it index linked. So it goes up with inflation and they get it for 25 years. So it's like way better than the money being in an ISA or whatever. So it was genuinely a really good thing. So all I would do, if I went to see someone and I was just a nice guy and their roof was right and they were going to move, it wasn't like if they were going to buy, they were going to buy. It was just, had the, could they buy from me? So that's what I would then try and do. And I, honestly, in those early years, I would sell, you know, there were a lot of money. I would sell multiple systems every day and it grew really big, really quick. And before you know it, I had my, I was giving the work to a, a roofing company up north that I met at the Ideal Home Show Later found out they were giving me bad information and um, the money I would get from the deal was a lot smaller part than it should have been because they were charging me a lot more than they should have for certain things. I was just, I was making a lot of money and I was thinking, oh, I'm happy with this. If I get a couple of grand each system, I'm happy with that. That's amazing. Little did I know, they were pocketing way more than me. So eventually um, they couldn't do a job. And I remember talking to my dad and I, who had an air conditioning and engineering business 
And I remember saying, Dad, like, could your engineers install solar panels? He was like, I don't know about this, Seb. What's this? What's this? You, you know, it wasn't, he was quite skeptical looking out for me, making sure I wasn't being silly or getting overexcited, which is something he's always done for me, is, you know, keep me, keep me a little bit grounded. And I thought, if my dad buys into this, then I know I'm onto something here. If he's up, if he's up for this, I know I'm onto it. Can I convince him? And the numbers just stacked up. So he did the first install, this, this one install, and it went well and we made good money. And he was like, I like this. So before you know it, he'd effectively not wound down, but massively slowed down his other company. We started a new business together, 50-50. He would do all the installations and technical. I would just do the sales. I hired loads of my mates from uni on commission sales. My brother was our delivery driver. And we were doing all these, we were doing three or four installations a day all over the country. We then did solar farms. We did big commercial buildings. It just went bang, 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 bang. So, so big, so quick. And then... In the background, my brother was stopping being our delivery driver, started making content, started working in football, started working for footballers, and he was growing his platform to a size where he needed some help on the business side of it. So what was the his commercial side of it. So his was his Spencer FC YouTube channel. So he was making videos about him watching football, playing football, and computer games in football at FIFA. He was growing really big, starting to get a few hundred thousand subscribers. And one day, I cannot... And believe no one, I don't know if people don't believe me when I say this story, but it's honestly what happened. Spencer had moved to Hemel uh, with his partner Alex, and she was like editing the video, she'd quit her job. So they're like making a go of this YouTube thing. This mm-hmm. is like nearly 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. So that sounds simple now. Like you're obviously recently gone full time into content, yeah, right? Yeah. However, back then, everyone's like, what? You're gonna you're gonna make money from YouTube? Like mm-hmm. what? I mean, some people think that now, but back then, that's a long time ago. And there just wasn't people doing it. So they both made a huge leap. They moved to Hemel. And one day, Spencer called me up. Oh, bro, my internet's gone down. Can I come around to yours and upload a video? I was like, yeah, whatever, mate, come up. So he come around to my house. I was upstairs working in my office. He's downstairs. And I get this email. And it's from the Department of Energy and Climate Change. And it tells me that this feed-in tariff, this thing that has been the lifeblood of my business, the reason people bought these systems, was going to be stopped. And the idea was, basically, I'm currently become a solar panel podcast. I'm ever so sorry, everybody. <laughs> basically, with that, just to give you the context of it, people were getting paid to install panels. That money was coming, not just saving money, they're physically being paid. That money was coming from a tax on the energy bills. So everyone who didn't have solar panels was paying a little bit more for their electricity to create a pot of money to go to people that did it. The idea was that it will kickstart an industry, bring the cost of installation down, and it would allow for the development of the technology. So eventually the technology didn't need a subsidy. It was just cost effective to do on its own, which it has become today because of those things. But they got their numbers wrong. It was way too lucrative. Banks and pension funds were just buying people's roofs, renting people's roof space, renting farmers' fields and filling them with solar panels so they can make fortunes from it, which is great for us. Mm-hmm. But the government were like, oh no, we have to ra- rank up everyone's energy bill again. So they said, right, stop it, kill it, kill it. And they dropped it by like 90%. So it was an amazing six months because every single person that we, we were speaking to, they had six months to get the installation done so they could then get 20 years of these payments. So everyone we'd ever spoke to was just like, all these deals came coming in, but then it was going to end. I was like, what am I going to do? This mm-hmm. is a disaster. And my brother was like, oh, well, I need, I need to talk to you about a few things. I actually need someone to help me on the business side. And I was like, Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. My business is falling apart around me. I'm not going to become a YouTuber's manager. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm, I've got a staff, I've got pro, like, what, just can we, whatever. So eventually, obviously, I, I had nothing to do. So I was like, right, I'll, uh, before I figured out what I'm going to do next, I'll have a look, I'll have a look at these. I'll talk to a few of the people that have contacted you, start doing it. And before long, I realized how ignorant I was to how big the world could be of yeah. this space or was becoming fast. What 
brands, how much how much money was being moved from brands, marketing budgets from like traditional advertising towards digital and I saw a huge opportunity and I get to work with my brother so I started doing one of his deals for him which was great loved it and then slowly but surely we built this thing together hashtag united which was originally just me and him and our mates playing football we filmed it it grew big it was just a show on his channel and it became something bigger had its own channel I played in the team so I got a few followers from that um I got to meet a lot of the big youtubers in the UK for our collabs like how we get Mm -hmm. to meet the golf creators I'd meet all those guys and I was sort of known in two ways. One, I was the guys in the videos. I was one of Hashtag. I was Spencer's brother. But also I was the guy who'd done this big deal with this brand and this big deal with that brand. And I sort of had a bit of credibility in two ways mm-hmm. as like a content guy, but also a business guy. So um, I basically had a lot of guys ask me to be their manager. And a lot of, you know, back then, and still now to some extent, but certainly back then, there was a lot of dodgy agencies around. They're just trying to cash in on influencers and weren't very professional, hadn't really got any background. And everyone, a few of them asked my help, and I was like, I'm not really, I'm really busy with hashtag. I'm not really sure about it. Like, I'll just help you out, but I don't, we can't do this properly. Blah, blah, blah. After a while, I was just like, this is too big an opportunity that like, I can make a good impact here, and I'm going to do it. So I started looking after a few extra guys um, and managing them the way I'd manage my brother, and then I went, managed hashtag, and then the golf thing. So all in the background, I'd continue to be obsessed with golf, loved golf. I'd actually had a little bit of, won this thing called the Trilby Tour a couple of times. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't it's like that a is. tournament that's on Sky Sports. It's like amateur golf, but with handicaps. And uh, I, I, I won the grand final of that twice. So I got a little bit of credibility as well as, um, I had a few followers, but I was like, all right at golf. So I was like, right, maybe there's something in this. And I remember being so stupid how I looked at it. And I looked at like the PGA Tour's, YouTube channel back then, again, over five, six years ago. And it had like, I think 200,000 subscribers, which is loads, right? But in the world of football, you wouldn't even be in the top 1,000 channels with that, right? So I was like, oh, look, golf's just, there's no point. Like, I could only, if I was the biggest in the world, I'd be on 200K. What's the point? I'll just stick to this. And I was looked at it so wrong. And then one day, it flipped in my mind. And I thought, oh, my God, what an, what an idiot. Like, that means if I've got this massive, massive advantage that I've got this brother who's got millions of subscribers, I'm in hashtag United, I've got a base already on like social media. If I just push my channels from those, I could become one of the biggest ones really quickly, potentially. Um, if I just could make some reasonable content. I wasn't a pro, I wasn't going to do instruction, and that was what most of the content was back then. Yeah. Even Rick and Pete and me and my golf mm-hmm. crossfield, majority of what they made was how to get better at golf. So I was like, they do great stuff already. I can't compete with those guys. What can I do just a bit different? It was just me messing around, doing these things, doing fun challenges, which everyone does now. And I wasn't, the, yeah, there was people doing them well before me, but that was me sort of trying to showcase golf in a fun and interesting way because I was someone who was 20 years old, finishing university, just thought golf was a boring old man sport. Yep. And I loved football and I, I couldn't have been more wrong. And I just knew how many people were going to think the same. And if I could show golf why I like it and the way I like it and make it appealing and I had a massive advantage that I had a bit of a profile and I knew some people in football and I knew some YouTubers so I could get some collabs. So like starting YouTube is so hard. All content is so hard. And I am so lucky that I got a massive advantage. Like it's an absolute jab of steroids to start. Like I have to famous brother, like all the things. People give me crap for that. Sorry, I'm not sure if I'm swearing or not, but people give me stick for that. But I'm unashamed about it. Like I had the platform. I'm proud of what I've done since then. And I've built it and I feel like I've earned my place in that, yeah. in that role. But absolutely, I got a head start. Absolutely. I've never been ashamed about that. I'm proud of that um, in a way. Like, and I'm very lucky that I got that. Um, but that's how a lot of content creators start. They 
like back in the days, like I don't know if you, how much you know about them, like people like the Sidemen or the Joe Wellers and these guys, a lot of them got big through being in one of their friends' videos. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they make another video and another one and they find they've got a taste for it and they had a talent they didn't know and they go to the stars and these guys are massive mega stars. So a lot of the early days of content creators, everyone came from like, they had a, someone help them blow up, right? Yeah. Um, not everyone's done that. You haven't done that. You've done it the hard way. Well, I, well, I spent a lot of time making content like YouTube videos. I wouldn't say I'm very big on YouTube. I'm still waiting no, for my pro, 10 profile. Yeah. yeah. But then I would say for me, Rick Shields was a massive part of that. Yeah. And cause I was posting my swing training when I was terrible golf, I'm still a terrible golf, but I was a really bad golfer back at the start and I was doing my swing videos. I got picked up by this company called Skillist. They helped me yes, with my swing online. Videos, yeah. Then Rick, obviously, I don't know how he found me. It must have been on like Discover or something. Found one of my swings, and then I went on his podcast. Yeah, but that's organic. That's not. Yeah. Rick's not your distant relative who said, "Oh, I'll sort you out, me. I'll shout you out." He's seen your stuff and mm. liked it and wanted to engage with it. But like you, I felt like I was hustling. I was messaging people. I was talking yeah. to people. I was doing lives with people all the time. Like now, you go live all the time on Instagram. I'm like. Me? I, yeah, you do. I've, this week I have. I never do it. Really? I might not have done it for two months before this week. I'm like, I, wish I, I wish I could more. Well, just because we're here and it's so <laughs> mental and I'm like standing on one of these tees thinking, I can't believe I'm here. Like, I can't video call everyone in my phone. I'm just going to go live and see who was the join. It's um, so good. I wish I, because I used to do that and now I don't do it so much. It's almost like I've yeah. become, I've gone backwards in a sense. I've become a bit scared and a bit like more timid when before I was like, I literally have nothing to lose. I've got what barely any people, but there's people who I know I can access because golf is a smaller industry. It is at the moment, which means people are more accessible than they would Mm. be anywhere else. I I think golf's at a really interesting point. Like, and to the converse of what I said, people like Rick and Pete have done so well. And they have done it the whole, they have got started from literally like Rick tells this story himself all the time, you know, just making coaching videos, trying to get himself some more lessons to teach people golf, to growing and growing. He has done it the long, hard way. And now he is the guy that yeah. leads the way. And he's done about two or three years ago when Rick went from getting sort of 50, 60, 70K views a video to now getting times 10 that and mm-hmm. some more into the millions. He's found that way of breaking out of like the little golf bubble online and going more mainstream. And like, I can't have any more respect for what Rick specifically, but all the guys like Pete have done as well, what those two have done and how hard they work. And the lifestyle is amazing. Like they get to play all these great golf courses, but no one should be, no one should be under any illusion. There is some grind going on. Like how we were talking about it, how much work takes into like prepare for a YouTube video to film it, to edit it, to upload. There's so much to do. And they're doing that almost on a daily basis across multiple channels and the podcast, all these things. They are, they're smashing it and they deserve every bit and more of the success mm-hmm. they've got. And it's inspirational. And honestly, I get jealous. And I get jealous because, uh, one, they're doing some amazing things. I'd love to do those things. But two, because I am involved in so many things and I often, um, I often wish that I could do more in golf. Because, you know, we talk about it as well. Like yeah. to grow on the platforms, you've got to post more. Like you've got to be consistent and frequent. You haven't got to post every day, but you've got to post more. And I know this, but I don't do it. Mm-hmm. But and that's also because a YouTube video, that takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. no, to, it does. From producing to editing to putting it, like everything takes a long time. And then you've got to get lucky as well as doing all of the strategic things. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I think I've got to a point where I've obviously got a young family as well. You know, I'm married, two children, and I want to be able to put a lot of my free time in that because I still see what I do. So through the hashtag thing, I ended up starting my own agency and I'd work with brands, do brand consultancy, build campaigns, then help brands access talent as well as look after the talent that I've got. And that's like a big full-time thing, right? Like I've got staff who work in that business. We've got staff in Hashtag United. It all takes a lot of management. Um, and I do the Hashtag United commentary. And I always see that as my priority because it involves other people. So it's I always have managed to work my golf content around it. And I wish I could do more. But the thing is, you can't... To do more, I have to sacrifice something. And I'm not... I don't want to sacrifice mm-hmm. the other stuff. I love doing the other stuff as well. So how I've managed to get away with still being a golf YouTuber and getting invited on trips like this when I don't upload as much, I'm so lucky that, you know, I got to a decent subscriber number and I've sort of... No, maybe it's not... St- but maybe stagnated is the word. Like, the, the growth has stagnated. I've still got... I think still making some really cool videos, having a great time to do it. But I'm not growing much. Like, my subscribers sort of trickle up. My Instagram's pl- pretty flat now. Like... You know, I upload one picture a month. You know, it's not enough. It's not enough. I know that. And obviously recently I've worked with a guy called Craig Salter, who I know you know. Yeah. And he's been great in even allowing me to do even the content I do because um, sometimes on these trips I'm just glued to my phone work, looking after work emails. And I, I wish I, you know, going back to what I was saying, I'm jealous of those guys and how much time and effort. I'm not saying that if I put the effort in, I could be like them because I probably couldn't, but I'd love to try. Mm. I'd love in a world to say, right, if I really put all my efforts into being golf content what could I do because I've got I've got to like I've done on-course reporting at majors I've like hosted stuff for Sky I've done all these amazing things and it's like I feel like I've got these multiple um lives going on and but still that's not enough for you well I don't know I don't know no it is I don't know it's weird I'm talking thinking about it now as we're talking about it and it does um sometimes it fills me with a bit of anxiety really like in a way that I always feel like I'm letting the other thing down like if I'm not if I'm doing golf, I feel like I'm taking my efforts away from my other responsibilities, whether that's family or work. And then when I'm not doing golf, I feel like you're wasting an opportunity. Like, do you know how lucky you are to have been put in the place to like have a chance to do this? And you're just not doing that because you want to do some other work. So it's completely always conflicting between don't do golf, you're letting other people down, to you need to this is your opportunity, mate. You need to be doing this, you're letting it go. Like, and that's I'm in the middle and it's I mean, not for a minute, I was getting to be sorry for me because I'm in a great position. I'm very, very, very fortunate. I'm very happy. But that is a little inner battle I have in my own mind sometimes. And it's, yeah, just never feeling like you're doing the right thing because you're always doing the wrong thing. Yeah, but I think everyone feels that regardless of what they're doing. But with so many side hustles, like you look at Rick, he's got millions of followers on or subscribers on YouTube. Mm. Then someone else, he probably looks at you and he's got, Seb's got, you know, his golf um, YouTube, he's also got his Instagram, he's got hashtag United, he's an agent, he works in this, and it's just like, wow, this guy does everything. Yeah, you know? but I don't know, I, I sometimes be not, I, I, don't, I don't think Rick's worried about him, I think, I think he'd be more than happy where he's at, but I know what you mean, like, that's, I think that's a human nature trait, and it's, it's a really bad thing that I constantly try and work on. In general, I think, myself, and I think a lot of other people, you always want what you haven't got. Mm. And it's hard to just, uh, even though those like, and again, it sounds terrible, but being honest, doing some of the things you get to do, there's a certain level of numbness to these amazing experiences. There was a podcast once, obviously this is on a completely different scale that Dan Bilzerian did with Joe Rogan. And he said like, 
I do these crazy things. Like he's got these crazy parties, cars. He's got these crazy raucous. He's got women all over it. All this stuff, right? What you think a lot of westernized men would think is like the ultimate hedonistic lifestyle. But he says, once you've done those things like a hundred times, they're mm. just, they don't give you the same rush. So he says, when you've done the only things that humankind consider as like exhilarating a hundred times, yeah. what do you get the rush from? So all of a sudden you're just level with the most opulent, amazing lifestyle. That's level. Yeah. So anything below the best of the best ever on the planet is bad. Yeah. So he said, when you're at that point, you're just miserable really because what can lift you up so on a really smaller scale when you do loads and loads of things and opportunity you get to play you get spoiled by golf courses because you like you get to play all the courses in the world you got all these things and some people think oh what's he moaning about people don't get to play them once and i completely get that but honestly it's like the same thing like i used to grow up like being again being really honest and you'd hear about football players like professional footballers who would be depressed you're like mm. or or movie stars or pop stars that would be depressed like oh come off it mate you've got millions in the bank and you're depressed give me do me a favor but i'm not putting myself anywhere near those sort of people because i'm obviously not but i can now relate and understand to people that it doesn't matter what other people think like i i think the happiest people are not people that are super successful or super rich or super famous i think they're people that have just found a peace of mind where they haven't got a brain that wants more They've got a mind that's happy with the journey and happy with being present. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something I need to improve on because... I yeah. think, though, people who succeed and do well always have that. It's, it's ambition, really, where they're never satisfied. They want to do more. They want yeah. to do better. That's kind of... But is it a good thing? Like, people think... When you say that, I think, oh, that's... I want to have that. I want to be that. But then I think about it and I think, God, it does sound pretty miserable. But too like, much to of that is happy. stressful. Yeah. To never be happy, like the only I heard someone say once a definition of the meaning of life. The closest thing I've ever heard to anyone say what it could be is peace of mind. And you might get peace of mind through volunteering in a homeless shelter. You might get peace of mind through driving a really fast car and being successful, and your friends thinking you've made it. You might get peace of mind through whatever, right? Whatever your character makes you feel ah, content. That's the meaning of life, and it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think there's there's certain characteristics that people can't have a peace of mind. Like I'm very happy, but I don't think I have a peace of mind. Yeah, I'm always worried or stressed about something. When really I have nothing to be worried or stressed about. Like I've got an amazing wife, or two beautiful children. I've got all these opportunities. I've got good businesses. Like I should just constantly be on cloud nine. But it doesn't always work. I'm not upset, but it doesn't work that way. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, like, no, I know exactly yeah, what you mean. Think I'm just being a, an idiot now, but yeah, that's just how I feel. That's just. But I don't think you're alone. I think so many people yeah, feel so. that way, and so. whatever their world is that they're living in, it's exactly the same. You're living in this golf world, this social media world, whatever, yeah. and it's only people only say, "Oh, that's so cool." It's because everyone sees it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that who are doing really well in like a business, a CEO, and they're living in. They actually come to these places. Yeah. They can afford to come yeah. to these places themselves. Crazy. Do you know what I mean? Crazy. Like, it's different. We come to here. We have to film every time we play on a course. Like, I don't remember the last time I played golf without filming. Yeah. Like, I've never gone out and just enjoyed playing. Yeah. Yeah, that's an important thing. I, I, that's one thing I do get to do that. And actually, just while you mentioned that point, this week is one of the first times where I have really being able to really enjoy it, like really, really enjoy a golf trip because it's so ridiculous, this place. Mm -hmm. Like the feeling of it, I've constantly been working really hard in my mind to say, don't think about the emails on your phone, like really be present for this because 
yeah, sure, we get to play these amazing courses, like Turnbury, these linked courses, whatever, amazing, right? So, so lucky to play them. But in the back of my mind, I know I'll probably go back and do it another yeah. time, whereas I may never come here again. Yeah, you know, depends and, if you stay friends and, with and me. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, me, hopefully. So, so basically, the the um, the, you always know there's another good golf course, but then there's places like this that are not, it's different. It's not it's normal. different, it's not normal. Like, no, it's not. So, yeah, very, very grateful. And you even have a course where there's no other person on it. I know. I know. Like, that's a content creator's dream, you know. Yeah. We're trying to film at the pace of play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people behind us. And that like, makes it pretty that? unenjoyable as well, right? To actually just stressful. enjoy your golf. Stressful. 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 So stressful. But that, that is one thing I do, I'm very lucky, I do make sure I do. I try and play at least a couple of times a month mm -hmm. just at my home club. I don't even post on Insta. I just go and play in a competition or with in a little match play thing just to enjoy golf. Yeah. Um, because definitely, initially when I started golf, like I'm very competitive. And when I before I started making golf content, my golf was about trying to win. Whether that's the monthly stable foot at the club, club champs, whatever it was, or that Trilby, the Trilby Tour, I was trying, if I didn't play my best, it impacted my mood negatively yeah. and I now can look back and be embarrassed how I'd go home and I would literally be in a mood and be miserable mm. and be short with Gina and I'm like why am I letting my golf then having children massively changed that but then when I got into content I really struggled with it because I would I all of a sudden got really terrible like really terrible nowhere near the, the what I knew I, I could play okay to and I think it was because I, I was filming everything myself. I was like setting the camera up, going back. And you're not in the moment. You know, golf, you need to be concentrating, right? You need to be you're really... You're thinking about the camera shot, yeah, not the golf everything. shot. Exactly. And you're not, you can't dip in and out of like focus that many times, like literally a hundred times in, in an afternoon. You can't do it. So I started playing badly. And then I was like, no, but I'm quite good at golf. And I can't show people because I'm playing badly. And mm -hmm. I'm collaborating with people. And the first few times I collaborate with Rick and Pete, I was awful. And they're like, this guy probably thinks he's, you know, I kept, used to, I kept going on and like trying to big myself up to try and give myself credibility, like leveraging that I'd won this Trilby thing. And then I go and play with the guys and I'm like topping my three-wood. And I'm like, oh, this is a disaster. I really am all right at golf. This is so frustrating. And it was because I just wasn't being able to play. I was just focused yeah. on all the other things. And I got really embarrassed and that wound me up. But then when I did have Nelly, our first child, I did massively like, I don't know, just not an overnight thing, but gradually I just certain started to not care about stuff like i'd play a bad round they'd be like meh yeah meh. learn acceptance yeah like, okay no big deal like, i'm a bit annoyed about that but it's all right i'll go home and she'll literally be buzzing to see me and i like, jump on me i'm like i think i'd rather that you know it's not yeah. it's not a big deal and part of me even saying that is like no be a warrior be annoyed you want to be better <laughs> like and then i think i'm like why do i want that stress why do i want that inner mindset thinking you've got to do this no just chill out man go and Lay on the sofa with your kids and play in the garden. Yeah. Like, be enjoy that. So yeah, there's. I've got. I over, I'm over. I'm an overthinker. Definitely, I overthink everything. But um, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm so lucky to do all the stuff that we've done, and it's. Uh, hopefully, it keeps coming. Hopefully yeah, it keeps going. Definitely, I'll keep juggling. I mean, for me, I'm actually backwards to you. So I've always filmed, done exactly that. Always been stressed and been like ah on the golf course, and the first time I got invited to play with. Rick and Pete, I've never played best golf of my life because I'm not That's filming awesome. anything. Yeah. They're doing it all for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm relaxing now, even yeah. though I've got cameras around me or whatever, but yeah. I'm relaxing. My best ever round was with Pete. I was just I was just hitting a ball. I watching that video. Yeah. yeah. That's great. My mind was blown. I was like, huh? Is this what normal people experience? <laughs> like, 
is this what golf is actually supposed to be like? I couldn't believe it. I'm I'm so excited for like I feel like you're maybe soon about to like obviously the improvement you've come on in your golf game has been crazy like already, but I feel like you're you're about to go over another big plateau. And I think you're going to make quite a big improvement quite soon. You think? And yeah, I think so. And I think because you're playing more as well. Yeah. And I think like hearing you talk like to George or to Iona or some of the people, I can hear that you're seeking out like playing more as well, not just filming. Mm. And I think that you're at a point where you can invest this much time. Uh, and sorry, you can invest this much time and get this much better. And then... I know people can't hear what yeah, I said. That, but basically, that was a small, a small... You can invest small a small hand. amount of time <laughs> and get a lot better. And then basically that is a curve that reverse correlates for the rest of your golfing life. And then you're in that phase now where you can play a bit and get a lot better quickly. And then that gap levels out and sort of meets in the middle and plateaus. But, and then over time, like when you get down to a low sort of single figure or scratch player, I think that you have to work a lot yeah. to just stay the same. And to get better, you've got to work a ridiculous amount. So you're, I think, at that point where that you can you can put in time. Like you've obviously got mm. a natural talent for it. I like think quickly you've improved. You say that I have worked. No, your a sw- lot yeah, but your swing, hours. even from back in the day when you were hitting in the net in your garden and with your your online coach, you have a natural golf swing in there. And I know you've worked very hard. I'm not taking yeah, that away from you. But it's, I think I'm just really good at copying. Oh wow, great! Like I just copy very slowly, like. And yeah. I do the copying motion very slowly in line with what they're doing, but that is all it is. Yeah. And then you develop your own swing after that, I think. Because you've also done it very differently as well in that most people I know, myself included, played loads of golf badly, picked up loads of bad habits, and then got lessons. And then you have a constant combat because the instructors want to rip you apart because you've got the wrong grip, you've got this, and it feels so awful and you get even worse and you're going to play with your friends on the weekend. You're like, right, I'm not going to do all that stuff that he told me because it makes me worse. And I don't want to embarrass myself. I just do what I always did. And you don't actually commit to the change and it makes you take such a long time to improve. Whereas you've sort of gone in and built fundamentals. You didn't play a lot, did you? That was the thing. You no. didn't play a lot. So I see you now going on a bit of, you've got fundamentals, you know, you've got some great equipment, you've got the rotten new grip change now. And I think you're going to start playing more and getting the feel for it and scoring and different lies. And, you know, we've been talking mm. this, like, you, a few last time we played, whenever it was, when we, you came out on the golf course earlier and we were filming you with Casper and there was that lie. And you said exactly what, if, if you said to me, Seb, how do I play this one? Yeah. And you went to me, well, you have to grip down the shaft. The ball's going to go a little bit to your left. It's above your feet. So you have to aim a little bit right. That's exactly what anyone would have said if someone as a beginner would say, how do I play this shot? So you've got it all now. So now you've got to just get the reps in. Yeah. Do you, know, do you remember how I remember that one so clearly, how to go, whether it goes left or right? It's when my ball landed in the bush. Do you remember? And I had to bat it out. It was at Wentworth and we were oh, filming. Oh, yes. No, is that Woburn? No, I've never been to Woburn. It was at Wentworth. It was at Wentworth. Yeah. Right. Sorry, yeah. And it right. la- like, this is the most yeah, bizarre thing. Now. I don't yeah. know if you saw on, um, is that on Instagram? Someone's yeah, ball landed it. in a yeah, tree. I, I think I filmed it if you didn't, and you're behind you. And but that, that shot. one, yeah. Yeah, that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it, like, it goes left because yeah. I literally batted it out like a cricket bat. Yeah. Or a tennis racket I remember or something. That. It was the most bizarre experience. But I pick these things up from playing with people like you who are amazing. And I just retain it because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm desperate to be like you. <laughs> like I want to be able to go on the golf course I want to have that confidence I started not playing on a course because I wasn't confident mm. and I'm one of those people who at school would revise so 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 much to do even a test exam I wouldn't want to do a test exam to see where I'm at mm. 
I want to go into it, yeah. do really well, and then be like, okay, how can I get those extra final marks to get 100%? Yeah. Like, I chose my degree because there was an opportunity for me to get 100%. Wow. Yeah, like... I mean, that mindset is going to just serve you so well with whatever you do, but certainly for God. Kill you too. Well, yeah, well. <laughs> but also, you've, you've got, I mean, you know you come across as a very relaxed and happy person as well though. And I think if you can find that middle balance between the two, which is driven to succeed and to really want to get better at golf, but equally I, I can't, okay. Yeah. I've seen you hit shots and I've seen you get upset about it, but it never lasts more than like five seconds. Yeah. Like you might just go quiet and you might be like, you can tell, okay, she's a bit upset with that one. But then it's gone pretty quick. And yeah. you're like laughing around happy. Like the other day, oh my God, me and Iona were laughing so much. It was so funny. We were, I can't remember what we were doing. One of the challenges we were doing. And you hit, you hit some great drives and you hit one drive that was just terrible. And you hit this drive and then literally within a second of the ball, just like running off somewhere, you went, oh, a ball marker. And you picked it up <laughs> and you were just like, like just so not bothered. Whereas there's me, I'd like hit a bad shot in the trees. And I'm like, <clears throat> slamming my club into the bag like <laughs> upset annoyed just sitting there ripping my glove off huffing and puffing and you're like oh ball marker and I'm so happy you'd found your ball mode falling out of your pocket or something it was my favourite one me, me, me and Iona literally went to each other we almost said it identically went oh me and never changed never changed it was great yeah I feel like I've got a fish memory sometimes That's but great. it's a good thing like Dustin Johnson they say don't they, they say Dustin Johnson short memory and he just goes around not caring and playing golf and being amazing but that's a discredit to you because not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with Dustin, but you definitely have a lot of layers and you're very, very intelligent. I always tell people about how, I said this to you the other day, how impressed I am with, you know, so many things you've done, like your journey into golf. I know your listeners would have heard it before, but how you, you know, went into a store and you saw an issue and you wrote to somebody and you followed it up and you began something and, you know, to embark on that, to get to where you've got to, all of, all that comes with that. But then one of the little things I, I love is that, you know, that you wrote that book and you sent one oh, yeah. and I read that to Nelly regularly. And you, if you're, hopefully you get to meet Gina and Nelly and Rue at some point. Have you met them before? No, but no. I'd love to. No, I'd love to do that. So we're going to make that happen at some point. But you, that book, it couldn't have been more perfect, not just because someone I knew had written a book and had signed it and sent it to, to me to read to my children, but that message is mm-hmm. such a big one for me. And it's something that I was I always got from my dad and I really want my children to have was to yeah. never give up. So I literally, if, you, if Nelly was here right now and she was trying to move that over there and she couldn't quite reach it, I'd say, Nelly, but what happened? And she would say to me, because I've instilled yeah. it, never give up. So oh. now that book we've got is like a nice softer way. Instead of me going, Nelly, never give up. <laughs> it's a nice way of enforcing that message in yeah. her. I know you've got a sequel coming up as yeah. well. So I look forward to that one. But um, Yeah, that but, one's called Do You Really Think So? And it's about someone doubting themselves a lot. Which nice. I think a lot of people go through. Like Definitely. I've doubted myself a lot in golf. Um, this person particularly has a disability, so they mm. doubt themselves even more. And then they realise actually they're the same as everyone else. Um, so let's, I mean, if we can, let's talk about that because like, the story I tell people, and hopefully I've got this right because I've told a lot of people here, is where you are on a plane. It was actually on a plane to Scotland where we yeah. were both on the same event. Yeah. And you'd forgotten your headphones. Yeah. And instead of doing what other people would do and just go and buy some new headphones. You're like, no, I'm going to take this time to write a children's book. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. I know. I wrote it on the notes on my phone. Wow. I went up. um, I showed some people from the RNA. They're like, oh, yeah. um, Can you write that for me? I wrote a full script to trans... Like, what do you call it? Transcript, yeah. Transcript on Word, like proper document and sent it to them. And they're like, oh, yeah. No, I don't really think so. Maybe it could be a cartoon. I don't know. And then kind of left. I was like, you know what? I think this is quite yeah. cool. And even if it flops, I think it's a really interesting thing to have done. 
And I know there's a few people I'd like to give it to anyway. So I did it just because I thought it was interesting. So before that flight, Mm. had you had the notion of writing a book before that? Was it like a little seed in your brain at some point or was it... uh... It was, I wanted to... I kept thinking, how do I tell people not to give up? Because I have wanted to give up so many times and the only reason I'm still here in golf is because I haven't. And I feel like... I feel like I've got quite a strong mind sometimes, mm. but I don't mm. think people have that at all times. So there's definitely times in my life where I haven't had a strong mind. And I was like, how do I like give that to a parent and a child? Mm. And I know parents read their children's book and when they read their children's books, they're also thinking about the message in the book subconsciously or consciously, but mostly subconsciously. And they want to teach their children things too. And also what golf books are there in the world? Like, children's golfers i don't know i never see them i see little football books and whatever books but golf is like really far in between like how are they going to be inspired as a kid to even think about hitting it filled so many gaps for me because yeah i read to uh, nelly certainly a lot and to have a book about golf like the nearest thing i've had i show her an old like master's program and like i only half like showing her because she's ripped a few pages out and ripped it a bit (laughs) but it's like what could she take from that there's like big long articles she can't read those there's a few Mm. pictures great but that's actually a story. There's some characters that she can get on board with. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I just think, yeah, so I just sat on the plane um, and I was like, you know what? I've got, I don't know why. Whenever I'm traveling, it's my time where I actually sit and do nothing. And I'm like, well, I actually can't. I can't connect to the internet. Mm. And the internet is my life, my world. So I was like, oh, my God, I've got such a good idea. Right on the notes of my phone. Um, then obviously sent it, got it done, which was kind of a bit of a faff because I was like, so how do I even do that? But the interesting thing is I worked obviously in a genetic testing company before and part of my job, I made boxes. So I made boxes to put in the swabs and oh. all of the equipment. So I was like, okay, so I know how to make a box. I'm sure we can make some sort of book with that. Learn like what type of grams of paper I need to use. Like oh, things wow. you don't even think about. So like, you didn't even just, you didn't like send it to someone to print it. You actually did. I did everything myself. Oh, my I, des- I did the, all the book design. I did all of wow. the fonts. The only bit I got someone else to do was the illustration. Yeah. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. That's even more impressive now. Everything. Wow. Like from start to finish. I did, the only bit, yeah, the only bit I paid for was the illustration. All the other bits, I was like, to be honest, I don't have, you know, income that I can just spend yeah, yeah. on like someone to be a book editor, book design. Mm. Like George was the one proofreading everything. Well, he's a very intelligent man as well. He's yeah. a lawyer, isn't he, George? Yeah, he's yeah, a lawyer. Yeah. That's a good proofreader right there. He has to read a lot of concepts, exactly. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, like I didn't even know about how to do like an ISBN, like a barcode for a book. Like, I don't know what oh, to God, do with I a didn't barcode. Know you did all that. I, I wrongly yeah. assumed that you would have written it and then had spoke to a publisher and sent it to them and then have been a part of it. Self-published. Wow. So directly to American Golf, don't wow. don't have a publisher or anything. Wow. It's just an idea that happened. Wow, so cool! Like, re- regardless of whether you sell a billion copies of it mm-hmm. or not, the fact that you have done that is so amazing for so many reasons. Like, I, I can list a few. One is that people know you've done that and you're capable of that, and they, that like just. I don't know, certainly for me, it's like when people can speak multiple languages, that mm. person's elevated in my mind. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're a serious person. Because I can't speak any other. I can like say hola, right? Yeah. So I can't do that. And I'm one of those ignorant English people that, you know, sadly rely on the fact that when you go abroad, most people speak English. So having a, be a being bilingual is a big thing for me. But then when people do certain things, like can do that, it's like, oh God, that's not, you know, talking about a serious person here because 
there's so much has to happen to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're doing other things as well. Like anyone that sees a project through or starts a business or launches a product, like the She Sisters got their, oh, yeah, their, their, sock. their sock brand. Like how many content creators are there now that put content on Instagram? And some of them are amazing. Some of them are okay. Those guys, I'd never met them. And yeah. as I've got to know them, I know they're all great girls and they've got a lot, a lot to them. Um, but as soon as you know, they've started a sock business, you're like, Okay, they're definitely there's there's more and not just you know a stock I mean? business. They have like their tech company. Like there's so much going like on behind the scenes that people don't know about. Really, I'd like to know more about that as well. Yeah, like it's yeah, so fast. That's why I really like them is because I think they've got a they've got a good brain on them. Yeah, oh definitely, absolutely. Yeah. And they're great at making content. Like they're really they work so hard. They're running around here filming stuff. Mm-hmm. That's stuff. That thing. I don't know if you're ever going to talk about it, but the misters that video like that's so <laughs> funny. That is he put together like that stuff. So, so good. They've got creative minds, entrepreneurial. Um, very good at golf as well. They do acting as well. Acting. So there's so many interesting. This is a great thing for your podcast. Is I spoke to Izzy about all of this. Did stuff. you? Oh, yeah, I'm, make, so I'm definitely going to be listening to that because that's so great to see like other sides to people that sometimes in a lot of ways some people can wrongly perceive that they're just putting fun stuff on Instagram because mm. that's what they are because that's what you've got to do to grow right and that's them applying their trade or like people you know about the, the Paul brothers right Logan and Jake Paul no. you know about them okay well some of you listeners might know about them two big social media influencers in America like they've done some crazy wacky stuff that's got them a lot of grief and people don't take them seriously but then behind the scenes they've built like multi-million dollar businesses and mm. at some point you have to realise so why are they acting like that on camera? Well, it's because yeah. it works. They're yeah, playing yeah, a yeah. game, right? And a very, very cleverly engineered game to yeah. do. I'm not saying they're being fake. I'm saying they're being very smart and they are entertaining people and they know what to say to entertain people. And um, That's what it eventually comes down to though, isn't it? Is entertaining. Providing value. Yeah. That value could be interesting, could be educational, could be make you smile, make you laugh, make you cry. If you provide value, then people want that, right? So mm-hmm. that's something that Andy Proudman actually once taught me and something that those guys, you know, obviously know that me and my yeah, golf guys, yeah, yeah. they are also very, very impressive. Not just the fact they're great coaches, great content creators, but they've got a very, 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 very good business behind mm. what they do, like the actual coaching platform. But they're very smart men. They're very hardworking, very into their health and fitness. Um, and Andy always says that they make decisions. Like the amount of trips I've been on and you have late nights drinking and chatting and learning things and both of those guys, Andy and Piers, make decisions right does this add value to our members mm-hmm. is what we're doing making it better is yeah. this post i'm putting out helping somebody and that's such a great mindset to think and to grow on social is is this video i'm posting is this adding value to someone and a lot of us would often say not every time it is yeah. but you have to, as long as you're providing some value because sometimes you know you can grow big on social by hopping on trends right yeah and using the right sound and doing this and that and if you've got a nice balance of all that i'm not saying you should do that because that is low-hanging fruit but um yeah that was something interesting but yeah, yeah you should get them on because they've got some great stories as well yeah definitely um you've been on their podcast haven't you i think yeah i remember that quite um, towards the beginning of my yeah um, stuff yeah but so. one thing i find a little bit intimidating i am one person i talk mm. to you you've got your brother you've got hashtag united yeah. all of them andy and Piers, two yeah, people yeah, yeah, rick's yeah. got his team the she sisters have each other yeah i'm here and i feel like i'm on my own all the time i'm like how do i do all the things that these people are doing like, I don't even know how everyone got there. It's luck, obviously. Yeah. But but Rick, Rick hasn't always had that team. You know, Rick yeah. started doing everything himself. So driving around, filming, he would have done all his editing himself, mm-hmm. everything. And, but Rick hasn't got to where he's got to overnight either. You know, he's been making yeah. videos for a long, long time. But then um, the thing with Rick is the fact that he probably just had YouTube, didn't he? Yeah. Whereas yeah. there's like, now there's Instagram, now yeah. there's TikTok. Yeah, it's like, true. There's so many more social media channels that you have to be on. And if you're not on them, then it's like, well, why aren't you on them? Yeah. You should be on them. And yeah. It's so yeah. much to take on when you start. 
There is. There is. I don't really know the answer to that. I think it's you've got to do what you can do and not miss opportunities, but find yourself to get really good, which I think you probably are, at prioritising. Yeah. You can't do everything. I think, right, there's 10 things I should do and want to do. What do I really have to do? Mm-hmm. Or like, And that's just not have to, but want to have to do. Yeah. So if there's 10 things, maybe two of those things you do. And then you do, or three of them, you do three and two, you think, yeah, I enjoy this mm-hmm. and this is working. I'll keep doing this. And that third one, meh, that can go. And then that's been successful, which has allowed you to be more successful, which allows you to maybe reinvest and then to start bringing in, like I know you're doing now, mm-hmm. bringing in some additional production support, maybe not mm-hmm. all the time, but sometimes. Yeah. And that should, if you keep doing it and keep, if you keep making the stuff you're making, you keep growing like you're growing, then your opportunity is going to get bigger and better. And mm-hmm. you're going to have the ability to reinvest more, even more into like now you've got these nice podcasts set up and these things, right? Yeah. All these things cost money, mm-hmm. right? So all the time, if you keep doing them, you'll be doing them because they're successful and you enjoy them. If you're successful and you enjoy them, you're going to do well from them and that's going to lay to reinvest. So it's just yeah. going to be a gradual snowball effect, right? But Next time is... we do a podcast, Mir, we can have four crew over there. There's going to be a lighting <laughs> chap there. It's going to be filmed. It's going to be in a big studio, the Mia Baker studio oh on the God. back wall. I look forward to it. That would be wild. But it's like so funny. The podcast one is such an interesting one to me because I find it has the most valuable conversations. Definitely. It's such amazing content to create because you actually get to sit and talk to someone and hear. I heard things that you've never told me before. Like I've told you things that you know, um, I've not told you before. Yet it's the one that obviously gets the least, um, what do you call it? Like the least output yeah. back. Yeah, I know, you know what, what I mean. mean. Like compared to like you, you can put a reel of a four four second swing video and maybe yeah. reach a million people. Yeah. Whereas podcasts can reach a, a smaller group, right? And yeah, that's, you don't get um, any revenue from it. This no. is purely just for content just for creation, content, just for sharing, for trying to add value. Literally, <laughs> Andy will be that. proud of us. <laughs> I feel like you get a lot of fulfillment from adding value, though. Definitely. Well, you look at some of the content creators now. Like I always talk about this. Some people like, that I work with, where you see the evolution of the guys that who blew up ten years ago when my brother was starting and go through it all and get get lots of fame and get lots of success and get money, and then they're like, right, well, you know, some of them are like still fairly young and they've got lots of money, mm. and they're like, well, what do I, do I want to go and make? Do I want to go and grind and all this for YouTube anymore? And a lot of them do. Um, a lot of them stop. Yeah. And then some of them have moved to podcasting because what they do is they invest some money, they get a set up and they turn up, get some of their content creator mates down, smash out maybe two or three podcasts in a day, one filming day, they've got someone that edits at them and then they use the social cut downs to do stuff and they yeah. think it's so fun. They're regenerated by it and all of a sudden they start wanting to upload again now because they're like got the buzz back. So a lot of guys are doing that. A lot yeah. of people are moving towards podcasting. I'd I'd love to do a podcast. I told you, you should. You're such a chat. You are a very chatty person. I, I know. <laughs> the thing is, I, I I would love to do one, and I love going on podcasts. Like whether it's a football one or a golf one or sometimes a business one, I I love it. Um, and I love the idea of doing one, and I love the idea of getting conversations on. But like you, we just spoke about for yourself, you cannot do everything. Yeah, it takes time. You cannot do everything. So. Everything new I want to take on now, I have to think about or what am I stopping? Mm-hmm. And at the moment, I'm really happy with all the things I do. So I don't want to stop any of them. So therefore, I, 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 I can't, I guess. I can't, I guess. And that maybe sounds a bit cop-outy and maybe it is. Maybe that, if I'm honest with myself, maybe it's not doing it. But I don't know. I think 
I'd love to do more. My, my goal with my golf channel is that I've got this really big series this year, this Every Shot show and playing all the open venues, the new game show, videos like this, like one-off one opportunities. Mm-hmm. I've got some really good content this year. I'm not going to start being the guy that uploads three times a week. I might be able to move towards once a week if I can bank content up for the winter months. But for now, to get back to that, because I did drop off a lot this winter, that would be, I'd be very happy with that. And as long as I can still do the other things, because I do get enjoyment out of all of them. I like mm. negotiating with brands around a partnership for one of the guys, for my brother or for hashtag yeah. or for one of the other guys I work with or helping a brand reach out and reach other content creators that I know. I like doing that. I like going to commentate on hashtag United. I enjoy that. It's our team. It's an amazing connection with the supporters and with the, 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 the players themselves and watching that journey. I like um, doing all those things. Um, and I also love and want to be able to do more spending time with my family. Yeah. Um, so you cannot do everything, sadly. Priority number one, absolutely, is my, my family. And then number two for me feels like it's hashtag and my brother and then and my agency and all the guys I work, work with. And then golf is next at mm. this point. It is, it is at the bottom of those things. Um, and yeah, I said earlier, constantly, devil this side, devil yeah. that side. Seb, you should do more golf. Seb, you shouldn't do as much golf. And I'm in the middle. And yeah. I don't know. I'm they just... say one of the hardest things, it's not saying, learning to say no to things. It's learning to say no to things you want to say yes to. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. And that, that is actually tough. Yeah. When you're having a lot of things you want to that say yes to. I really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. You, you hit on something there. I'm very bad at that. If there's something I want to do, I try and find a way to do it. And sometimes that is creating another problem down the line. Yeah. Yeah, say no to things you want to do. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a tough one. I mean, especially in this world where you get opportunities. Yeah. Well, it's a really strange thing because you start and the opportunities you get aren't, op- aren't like, they're not very clear opportunities, but actually they were an opportunity. Now we get clear opportunities. Mm. We can tell what is a good one yeah. and what's not a bad one, like totally what's agree. a bad one. But at the beginning, you were saying yes to everything. I was saying yes to yeah. everything. And you'll meet one person. And that's the opportunity. But if you hadn't gone, you would never have met that person. You'd have never got to that next. I I believe that if if you are in a rut and you, whether that's personal, professional life, whatever, is just get busy. Because the world just presents stuff. There is so much opportunity out there. And I know that everybody's not as fortunate as you or I and get, you know, everyone's in a different circumstance and these things. I totally understand that. But I do believe that whatever circumstance you're in, if you put yourself out there to whatever degree that is, whatever extent that is, what an opportunity means to you, that by simply being busy and going out into the world, mm-hmm. the world will bring things to you. Yeah. Sitting at home, being upset, as much as I'm sure there's many people that find it hard to do anything other than that, and I have a lot of empathy for those people, but that is not going to change the yeah. circumstance. You have to just try somehow by getting support from people around you if, and get out in there because you're right. You might get invited. Mia, do you want to come to this press, press right night at this event and we'd love you to do this for us? And you're like, well, it sounds all right. And if I had nothing else to do, I'd like to go. But you know what? I've just done this and I've got this coming up and I'm really sure I'm actually really tired and I've got this. I've got to catch up on this edit. Um, no, I don't really want to do that. Um, and that is the way we feel about a lot of things. Or, or, or they, it could be something, you know what, I don't want to do that. It's not the right thing to do. But then going to those things, mm-hmm. like you say, you meet one person. Yeah. You might take 10 of those events, but that one person yeah. might be the guy that invites you to the Condor Club. And you come to the Condor yeah. Club and you meet Dermot. And Dermot says to you, oh, let me introduce you to Owen. And this guy's like, oh, we'd love you to come to uh, Portugal and do yeah. this for us. And it's like a massive thing. And you're never going to get that unless mm-hmm. you went to that first event. But you never know. 
You can't, yeah. you can't plan that stuff. That's why so many, some of the biz, best business people I know are incredible networkers, yeah. like incredible. And that's something that I think I, I should, I would like to be better at is, you know, Networking. Man, we, you're so good at that. We, weirdly, this I think you'll be surprised at this, but sometimes I, in certain circumstances, like here, I feel incredibly comfortable. I feel great. But if I go into like a room with loads of people that I don't know, yeah. I'm absolutely fine walking up to someone and going, hi, I'm Seb. Sometimes I really battle against wanting to. Like, I, I'm really like, no, I don't know this person. I'm just going to stay in my lane and I'll just keep out the way and I'll just go over here and sit on my phone. And that's like my natural default thing. But once I start and go out there and start chatting, then I just like become this different person. You can't yeah. shut me up, basically. But often if I was like, say I was an, at an event here and I was invited here and I knew nobody here, then the first night I would probably just be sitting in the corner somewhere quiet until mm. there was a way through. Unless I had an extra coffee and I was feeling a bit buzzy and got involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think um, that it's people that can network is amazing, amazing, yeah. um, valuable skill to do just to be able to have conversations and yeah, because I think we spoke about it the other day at dinner, all of us, didn't we? Like um, everything comes from people. Like, it, everything it comes really, from people. And it's really hard, you know, for someone who doesn't like talking to people. Like I'm actually in, really introverted to the extent I used to cry before I went to school every day because I hated oh, going wow. to school and speaking to people. And I had to force myself to learn to be comfortable talking to people. Like even when I go to events, I get so anxious. I can't even eat before them. Wow. Don't really know what about. Yeah. Like there's literally nothing to be scared of. And there so. never was and there never has been. But it's, it's just, just one of those inbuilt yeah. things. And you have to like get over it. But I think, you know how we were saying, saying no to things. Mm. Saying no to things is hard. Yeah. It's saying yes to things that you want to say no to yeah. when you're starting that is yeah. equally as challenging yeah. that you have yeah. to learn to do. I think there's that book, Danny Wallace, I think it was written by The Yes Man. We just said yes to everything for a year and it ended up like massively being a big beneficial thing. I think that is, if people are starting up, mm-hmm. the thing is, again, you're even getting the question, isn't it? If you're just starting up now, like how many times people say, oh, how do I get started? Like, Just start. Though. Just start. You have to just start and it's going to, and it's going to be hard yeah. and it's going to be a slog and that's why you have to enjoy it because yeah. if you upload 100 videos that all get no views and you haven't enjoyed it, you're not going to upload 101. Yeah. But you have to be prepared to upload 100 videos mm-hmm. and no one watch them and enjoy that and want to do 101 because if you don't do that, then you're not, it's not, it's very hard to get through yeah. unless you have a famous brother who will shout you out in a YouTube <laughs> channel and then you're Yeah, right. I mean, it does feel like a bit of a kick in the teeth when you're like, I worked so hard on this and... Nobody cares. Oh, I still get that now. Like, I, I upload a video. Now, how annoying... I mean, maybe you, you... I'm sure you do do this, but you'll do this more as you build your YouTube channel. Like, you go on there's the YouTube Create Studio, you put it on there, and basically you get, like, a ranking for your yeah, video. Yeah, you do. And it's, like, <laughs> out of 10, the last 10. And if you load up after a video, after I've spent a day and a half filming it, me and Craig have had four rough cuts that have gone through. I've sent him, like, five drafts full of notes, change this, change that. He's worked all these hours on it. We've worked on the thumbnail. It's been designed. It's been ready. All good to go. Thought through uploaded and you get a 10 of 10 and you're just like (sighs) but then what that was how I used to feel massively and I still do a little bit to be honest but now sometimes if a video goes out and I'm happy with it and I think no I think it's a good video I'm happy with that then I can shrug it off better now yeah I I used to be a bit like oh what's the point no one even cares why do I even bother to keep why do I do this I've got all these other things to do why am I persisting with this golf thing Mm. but then you get to trips like this and it's like, well, that's why. And it's, yeah. it isn't in golf. It's still, and it is changing massively because the viewership, with what Rick and the guys have done and really pushed the ball and make the ceiling so much higher mm. and good, good guys in America and everyone else in between, it's made, it has changed it. But still, 
if you can get reasonable views in golf, that's still enough to get noticed. Yeah. Like in football, you know, there's so many creators that maybe get, you can get 5, 10, 15, 20,000 views. And it's, it's hot, there's so many people doing that. But it's still in golf. If you can get that, you still people notice. Yeah. There's still a massive lack of content, I think, in golf. There's like good, original, well-produced content. So my goal has always been, look, if, if the numbers are nowhere near the other guys and I'm getting 10, 15, 20, 30, 40,000 views but it's good content that looks different, that stands for something different, then I think, I think that's what I want to be. I think I want to have yeah. a role. And I, yeah, if, my, if I grow, great. If my subs keep going up, great. If my views go up, great. But also if they just keep the same, You're still happy. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. You so if I maintain, yeah, I'm happy. So anything else is a bonus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every time I upload a video and it doesn't do well, I do feel, I think, oh, what's the point? But you know what the thing is, is also with that, it's really interesting. Some things may be 10 out of 10, so the worst video mm. you've produced in a while. However, it could be video content that over a longer period of time true. does much better. Very true. And that's what I learned. I was like, hold on a minute. This is my worst performing video that's now become my best performing yeah, video. It's true. Because it wasn't something someone wanted right there and then, but it's something that people will click on. And it's amazing how you could have a video out for a year. I haven't done this, but I know people that have that has been a terrible performing video for them. And then a year later, they've changed the title and thumbnail and it's gone on a massive run. And I always used to think that the video's only chance to blow up is the early days. Yeah. And that used to be what it was. And it still predominantly is, but it's not. There are no videos that have literally had no views. Mm. And then maybe something happens in the world that makes the search term history go up in Google or the search ranking. Mm. But as well as those things, they've changed the title and thumbnail to be yeah. smarter. And all of a sudden, over a bit of time, the click-through rate goes up, the dwell time, completion rate goes up, and YouTube's like, hang on, this video's getting watched all of a sudden. Mm. Let's just chuck it to a few more people. And then they like it because it actually is a good video that just now has the way of bringing the people in and it can just fly all of a sudden. Yeah. YouTube's a weird beast, man. Even YouTube, I don't even think the YouTube guys probably understand their algorithm, but... It's, um, yeah, I think it's, I actually think it's getting fairer. I think creators are getting smarter. I think creators are getting bigger. They're making more money. They're hiring more people who are focusing more energy. And those people were traditionally teenagers in the early 20s. And now those people are getting older and more mm. experienced. And now senior people in creative and production roles are now being able to work in YouTube, whereas previously they might have thought that's a massive regression from working in TV or whatever. Yeah. Now they're like, oh, no, I can go and do this job and earn the same or more money. So now there's better skill sets coming in. So the creator's content is getting smarter and wiser and more analytical. And that is, a, is great, but it also means it's harder to break through because you're going up against people who have like spent hours learning how this game works mm -hmm. and how to do it and being good at content and being creative and being good in front of camera. And it's like, whoa. So, yeah. But that's not a bad thing. Like when you no, start any definitely. job, you have to start at the bottom and you have to work mm. your way up. The only difference is when they started, there was no one for them to copy. They yeah. literally had to yeah, learn the it all with yeah. 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 And that's Thanks, not a terrible Rick. thing. <laughs> Anyway, Seb, it's been such a pleasure to have you on Absolutely. the podcast today. Honestly, I'm so glad that I got to share. Like, most of your story, you, yeah. did you told it. How many times have you told your story? I've told a couple, <laughs> but I enjoy, I enjoy reliving it and um, I, I enjoy sharing it. Yeah, I like talking, as you know. So, oh. yeah, no, thank you for having me on and, and thanks again for inviting me out here. It's been a crazy week and I'm sad that we're about to go home. I know, me too. Yeah, the condor's been absolutely fantastic. And if you guys actually want to stay at the condor, um, you can get in touch with them. Um, they're the, at the Condor Experience on Instagram. I'll link it in the description. Um, obviously, it's not going to be accessible to everybody. It's not like... <laughs> no. I can't pretend it is. No. It's, it's one of those ones on the laptop. Someone out there, there's some people... 
very fortunate to be able to have the resources to come and stay here. And yeah. Yeah, if you do, you're very lucky because it's a hell of a place. Yeah, and there's going to be loads of um, videos out on YouTube too. So I'm doing a tour myself on my channel. Yeah. So if you want to see a little bit inside what it looks like, you're doing some cool videos as well. You're doing the full 18 on your channel, is yep, it? Yep, I filmed that early this morning. Played. I do a series called Every Shot Show. And when I go to a nice course, I'll play the whole course, show every shot, and then I'll commentate over it later, like talking everyone through the different shots, why I hit this shot, why that one went well, why that one didn't go well. <laughs> and um, yeah, go through it all. So yeah, we've done a full examination of the golf I mean, course. How long is that kind of video? Is not that long, because the thing is, when you do a course vlog, like the old school course vlogs, when you talk in between the shots, and then you have to go quiet because someone's hitting, the videos get so long, and then you have to be like two or three parters, or it's like 50 minutes. I can get an every shot shown in under 20 minutes. Oh, Every single one, yeah. That's good. And that's because of the commentary afterwards. So I can have multiple shots happening while I'm telling the story of a hole over the top. You haven't got to stop, shot, start talking, stop, really? shot, start talking. I just literally chat like this. Uh, yeah, on this show, I hit this club. And it was an eight iron, it was 120 into the wind. And while I'm talking, I've already hit the shot. And I've landed it and we've cut to the green. And the birdie putt was coming up and this one didn't quite drop. Little tapping par, no problem. And I've told that whilst I can then go off on a tangent about something else. And you can just whiz through around. Really? Yeah, it's I been a game changer for me. I watch one of those. Yeah. Do they do well? Yeah, they do do well. People love really? them. Yeah, which is, I'm so annoyed I didn't do it earlier. Yeah. Because I used to do like three whole matches, six whole matches, because the videos are just too long. But most of the time it's just, and sometimes they're great because it's the chat in between. It's like saying yeah. you and I are having a match. And like we do, I do that thing, YouTube's go golfing and I ask you the multiple choice questions and you get, oh, the, yeah. you get to go forward or I have to go back or the vice versa. And then we have like a three hole challenge and mm. all the back, back and forward, which is what makes golf great, right? The chat with someone out on a golf course. But there's another side of golf where people really like to know about the shots you've hit mm. or the holes you play and the course you play and see it in really great detail. And I think because it's like, is a narrative led. It's like, what's the score going to be? Yeah. Or what's he going to get on this hole? And because it keeps sort of fluid, they, they seem to be some of my better performing content. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, I'm such an emotional golfer. That's why I chat in between mine because I'm like, I'm having a terrible time. Yeah. And the next one I'm like, ooh, that was a really yeah. good putt. Ooh, ball marker. <laughs> ooh, ball marker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, yeah, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Sarah, but it's been um, amazing to have you. Likewise, enjoyed it. Thanks, Mia. Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of Unsus. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here as always. Make sure you don't forget to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, feel free to DM me any questions or stories you'd like me to chat about next week on Instagram. It's at MiaEllaX. Chat soon. (laughs) 